Welcome back to the Nomi Podcast. In today's episode, we're exploring a topic that can have a profound impact on how we live our lives, making unconscious beliefs conscious and turning limiting beliefs into useful ones that serve us. I'm your host, Cynthia, a licensed mental health counselor. And I'm Madeline, a trained coach and your co-host for this journey. Together, we're not only a mother-daughter duo, but also a team committed to helping you uncover the hidden treasures within yourself. We'll be delving into the ways in which our unconscious beliefs can hold us back and how we can transform them into powerful tools for personal growth. Throughout our lives, we unconsciously adopt certain beliefs that may hinder our progress or keep us from reaching our full potential. These limiting beliefs can be deeply ingrained and they often go unnoticed. But with a little self-awareness and a willingness to challenge these beliefs, we can break free from their grip and unleash our true potential. In this episode, we'll be sharing techniques, stories, and insights to help you identify and overcome your own limiting beliefs. And as always, we'll be weaving in our unique perspectives as mother and daughter, as well as drawing on our professional backgrounds in mental health and coaching. So grab a cup of tea, settle in, and get ready to discover the power of transforming unconscious beliefs into life-changing opportunities. Let's go. Spring has finally sprung. I'm looking out the window. The sun is shining. Nature is popping. So I was thinking actually uh, in the shower and saying to myself, oh, so glad that spring is here. And thinking about this term spring awakening, thinking, huh, I can see it all around me and I'm wondering about internal spring awakening. So what it means to kind of become awake to myself. What are some things that might be popping? And I was just having this conversation with a friend, you know who you are, who said that one of her habits that she notices is that she falls asleep to herself. That's how she put it. She says she falls asleep to herself. And I loved that phrase Mm. because of the counter phrase that comes with it, which is awakening to ourselves, right? If we can Mm. fall asleep to ourselves, we can awaken to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And when she said that, maybe it's because she told me in a video where she was in the car, but I immediately associated it with our usual metaphor of being in the driver's seat of your life. And I was like, all right, how does this compare? How does this fit in? The car is something that that we build, right? It exists out of our values, our beliefs, our histories, our memories. That's basically Mm -hmm. what builds this car, right? Mm -hmm. And then the life that we lead are the roads that we travel and the places we go and the milestones and destinations, whatever you want to call it. And so when I heard her say this falling asleep to herself, And I thought about this metaphor again. I was like, oh, it's like being on cruise control. It's like being on autopilot. It happens to the best of us when things get busy or even when we're actually in a great place, we can become a little bit less conscious of every tiny moment. And there's a huge resurgence of trying to stay present. I think being present falls into this conversation as well. And to me, it's just staying conscious, staying awake, right? So I realized that a big part of why autopilot and cruise control can be dangerous is because sometimes the pieces of the car that we trust to keep things going when we are on autopilot aren't the things that we consciously chose to have there. So if you actually Mm. take a look Mm -hmm. at your car, you might say, I don't know if I agree with that or that's a little outdated. Maybe I need to upgrade that. 
But when we're constantly in cruise control or autopilot, it gets challenging to do that because we're not really in a conscious state of looking at the road ahead and looking at the car we're in. It's so funny because another word that comes to mind for me is awareness, this Mm. state of being aware. And I love your car metaphor for a whole bunch of reasons. First of all, that your friend was actually, when she was giving you the message, in the car. Right. And of course, we we, (laughs) I use that metaphor a lot. But one of the things about a car is that sometimes not only do we consciously put it in cruise control, but sometimes there are parts of the car that, sure, we have created along the way. But we really, unless we dive into the driver's manual, don't know why we have those functions in the car. So, for example, I have a relatively new car. And and so the things that are on autopilot or cruise control are great. That automatically I can push a button and my seat goes to where I need it to. But then sometimes there's a light right? That is on the dashboard. And I'm like, what the heck does that mean? And usually it is a bright red light with, and red usually means danger, danger somehow. And so I could ignore it or I could say, Ooh, I should figure out and become aware of what that, or become conscious about what that light means and how I may or may not need to address it. I think what's really tricky about it is how do we make the unconscious conscious? If we're not aware of something, if we are not conscious of something, if we have a belief or if we have a self-judgment or we have a value or we have a dream even, it doesn't all have to be negative. It can actually be quite positive. How do we move that from something that we are unaware of or unconscious of into a state of conscious awareness? And Mm. this is a huge challenge that is basically at the foundational level of why people come to work with a coach like myself. I work with this all the time. This is what my clients and I are talking about is we're moving things from unconscious to conscious. Mm -hmm. and using questions to facilitate it. But I'm curious about your thoughts, Mom. Tell me a little bit about some of the challenges that you see around moving things from unconscious to conscious. If we keep with our car metaphor, the unconscious mind is the way, way back, is the trunk. And it is shaped by experiences. It's shaped by culture. It's shaped by thoughts that we had and things like that. So it is out of reach when you're in the driver's seat of your life and it's undercover, so to speak. I, with my clients, a lot of times tell them it's the place that stores your values and your beliefs, right? So what we want to be aware of is how the unconscious mind shapes our belief and how we can uncover those beliefs. So what I'll say a lot of times to my clients is who packed your suitcases that are in your trunk for your journey of life? And what I mean by this is there is a a fundamental development of the human experience, which is that For a lot of time, from when we're born to, I don't know, say about the age of 16, 17, 18, we're having someone else pack our suitcase, right? We're having someone else plant these values, plant these beliefs, plant interpretations of experiences, either in our core family or the world at large. And then they're nicely being put in the trunk of our car. Mm -hmm. I think of when you guys went off to college, right? Packed up the car or packed up the suitcases for you because you were flying all the way to China. 
And there were things that I packed in that suitcase for you in your life as far as values and beliefs and whatevers. And sometimes those are not conscious, right? They're unconscious. Like you weren't aware that I tucked a couple of those things, those beliefs, those values, those whatever in your suitcase. When we talk about bringing things from unconscious to conscious, what are the actual ways that we can do that? One tool that I offer up because it's really helped me and it helps my clients is there are usually key words when we're talking about belief systems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It comes up in our language, whether it's inside of our heads or it's what we're verbalizing. And they're usually the shoulds, can'ts, and couldn'ts. Mm. So especially shoulds and can'ts. So when mm. I hear a client, for example, say, oh, I can't do that. It is what it is. I shouldn't do that. I should do this. There's usually a subconscious belief underneath that should or can't. Mm. And so if you find yourself just making blanket statements about things you should or shouldn't do or you can or can't do, that's a rule book moment. And rule book moments tend to be belief moments. And just to take a little mini step backwards, one of the first things that you're talking about needing to do is opening up that suitcase, mm -hmm. actually being aware. And you're right. We absolutely bump into those when we bump into a behavior we don't like, a feeling we don't like, a thought, like you use the word limiting. I think this is a really great way of being able to identify with those words, right? Ooh, woulda, coulda, shoulda, can't, all those are definitely defining words and a definition around a belief that I might be holding. And some of them are not bad. I should brush my teeth after every meal. Okay. That's that belief is okay. We maybe won't challenge that belief, but when you're talking about those limiting beliefs that really stop us in our tracks and where we lose our motivation or we lose sight of having a full and joyful life. Opening your suitcase does not mean dumping it out. You don't have no. to dump it out. Mm -mm. You can choose to open mm -hmm. the suitcase, to take a peek at the rule book, mm -hmm. and use your discernment, use your discretion mm -hmm. to go through what you want to keep, what serves you, as we've mm -hmm. said in the back, what's useful, mm -hmm. and either rewrite, adjust, improve, or toss out what's not working mm -hmm. for you. Absolutely. And we can do this in a couple of ways as well. This is where self-reflection comes in, right? As we're looking at this item, we're taking time to, to think about what we think about this item and how we feel about this item and what behaviors would accompany this item. This is a really good time where if we bump into these items, right, these behaviors, these thoughts, these motivations or lack of motivations, that we can really be reflective about it as far as what it means to us. And we can adjust. I think this is one of the big things mm -hmm. is with limiting beliefs with anything I find there tends to be this like zero to 60 narrative, right? Mm -hmm. Or zero one binary, throw it out or keep it, right? The power of adjusting, let me tell you. When it comes to beliefs, when it comes to most things in life, just making a tiny change to that mm -hmm. can be really helpful so that you can keep the legacy belief that has served you and you want to hold mm -hmm. because it's important to you. It's part of your value system. It's part of your belief system. 
but you can tailor it in a way that it actually works for you and your life rather than limiting mm -hmm. you. That's the mm -hmm. true thing of limiting beliefs, right? We're not talking about, okay, in order to unlimit yourself, you have to go out and believe I can do anything. We're, usually mm -hmm. our beliefs are quite complex. They're not, I can't do anything or I can do everything. There's something in the middle. And mm -hmm. so it, it's about the mild adjustments. So here's an example of a belief that you might adjust. A belief that comes up a lot is financial beliefs, money beliefs tend to come up a lot. A lot of people have legacy beliefs from society, culture, parents, et cetera, around money. And a big one is money is the most important resource. I hear this a lot between the lines and blatantly. And so it doesn't have to be that you decide money isn't important at all. Money doesn't matter. We don't have to go to that extreme. Mm -hmm. Rather, to take that limiting belief, which can feel suffocating. If you think that money is the most important resource, it can cause mm -hmm. a lot, wreak a lot of havoc, right? And make it serve you, which is money is a important resource. Mm -hmm. Just changing the most from A, you're still keeping mm -hmm. that money is valuable. It mm -hmm. makes the world go around. It mm -hmm. unlocks doors. It helps you get things. It mm -hmm. definitely is powerful, but changing the belief, just altering it slightly from the most important resource to a important resource mm -hmm. opens up that belief to ask the question, what are the other resources? What else is available to me? And mm -hmm. suddenly you've turned something limiting into something empowering. Absolutely. I love that. And you know me, I love a good metaphor. What's coming to mind is the word limiting. We are all ready. It means that there's some Jersey barriers. And so what you're saying is that I have I can make the conscious choice to figure out where would be the safest place for my Jersey barriers to be. Because one of the things I find working with a lot of my clients is they like to swing that pendulum. Like I better have that Jersey barrier so tight to me that there's no way I can move. Or I have to have that Jersey barrier so out of sight that it's not really helpful keeping me, keeping me safe. So I love how you just kind of, once again, it's not an all or nothing. It's a, just a little pivot, mm -hmm. just a little reframe, what we like to call yes. in the therapy world, right? And the thing is, is that the reframe now can lead to something else down the line. So imagine mm -hmm. if you go from money's the most important resource, then you change it to money is an important resource. You just try that belief on for size, because that's the other thing. You can try it mm -hmm. on for size and decide it doesn't suit you and try again, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to commit it in ink. You can write it in pencil. So mm -hmm. let's say you get to money is an important resource and you decide that actually suits you quite well and you start operating your life around being more aware of all of the resources that are available to you from your energy mm -hmm. levels. It's like time with loved ones to mm -hmm. your sleep, to your health and wellness, to other physical resources as well, mm -hmm. <laughs> aside from mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm. And you realize that actually in your life for what works with you and your value system and the way you like to live, the most important resource or another important resource is energy. Let's just say it's mm. energy. And mm -hmm. you realize, I am going to say energy is the most important resource. I'm going to use the most intentionally here because mm -hmm. I want to make sure that my decisions are 
showing a hierarchy because I've opened myself up to other resources and now I'm intentionally placing the hierarchy there. I'm not arbitrarily mm-hmm. saying money is the most important resource mm-hmm. because sometimes creating that really hard barrier helps you to guide your decisions more pointedly, right? Mm-hmm. If energy is the most important resource, you're going to make mm-hmm. decisions differently than if you mm-hmm. held money, energy, etc., to the same regard. But it's mm-hmm. you have the power to do that once you bring that belief system onto the table right in mm-hmm. front of you. Hi, Madeline here, and I'm just dropping in to say how grateful we are to be a part of your self-discovery journey. If you found the tools, resources, and conversations that we've had on the Nomi podcast to be helpful, then we'd love for you to consider supporting us on Patreon. You can find all of our membership options on patreon.com forward slash Nomi. With just the cost of a cup of coffee, you help to support us do what we do best, provide resources to help people feel more supported, and to contribute to a world where mental health matters. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the episode. Absolutely. And just to go back to how this the conscious and the subconscious or the unconscious work is that it really is important to, like you said, sometimes the pivot that you're talking about is moving it from completely unconscious. I had no idea that I thought money was the most important thing in my mm-hmm. life. I, like, oh, surprise. And then moving it to just a little pivot of, oh, well, I'm, I'm at least aware of it, right? So I'm mm-hmm. aware of it. So it makes sense that my behaviors and my thoughts and maybe some of my fears or my hopes and dreams are attached to those or entangled in that belief, right? And so what you're talking about is the pivot that helps us untangle that and move it a little more into our focus. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be our our conscious belief, right? Meaning that there it is, right? But it can just be a little more aware. And sometimes, right, in therapy, what we find a lot is that some of these beliefs are really in the way, way back or in the trunk for a reason because they are a little too painful, right? They're a little too painful to uncover, right? And so this is where therapy and being gentle with ourselves can be really helpful because it's not about the belief being good or bad or right or wrong or whatever. It's about does it serve you and how maybe a modification would have it serve you better, right? Mm. But being kind to ourselves and saying, you know what? Yeah, I know why. I get, I have an idea of why money is the most important and it's guided, been the driver or the motivation in my life, but I'm not what ready to let that go completely and mm. prioritize energy. I'm willing to maybe take a finger at a time and let it go, not just dump it because dumping it would send me into a tailspin. And that's why I love when you keep coming back, Madeline, to this, the importance of one bite at a time, little things. Yeah. And, pun intended. Yes. Holding and. And, and, Mm -hmm. and, right? We talked Mm -hmm. about this before. And this is because the more we open ourselves to and, the more complexity we allow into our lives consciously, the richer life gets right? We create more space for ourselves. We create the ability to become more expansive. And I can give a a direct example of this, which is Mm. my process of taking a belief from unconscious to conscious to kind of altering it. 
So my unconscious belief for a really long time was that if someone loves me, they should know what my needs are and I shouldn't have to tell them. There's a should, Mm. right? I shouldn't have to tell someone I love what my needs are. They should just know. Should, should, should. So how this came up, the way it manifested was not me just having a light bulb moment where that belief just presented itself to me in skywriting. It comes from frustration. It comes from usually really challenging thoughts, feelings, emotions, etc. where I, especially with my husband, for example, would be like, why doesn't he just do this? Why am I always doing these anticipating need things for him? And mm. he's not doing these anticipating needs thing for me. And that's also a signal, right? When there's like mm-hmm. a, I'm doing this, but someone else isn't, it might be a belief because mm-hmm. not everybody subscribes to the same belief systems. Mm-hmm. So there's frustration, there's a challenge, there's a little bit of conflict, right? And we have an opportunity to ask ourselves my favorite question, which is what's important about this? I try not to ask myself too many why questions. Why questions tend to trigger defensiveness. But Mm. why questions trigger defensiveness because why questions question our belief systems and we're very protective of them, especially Mm -hmm. when they're in our unconscious mind. So Mm -hmm. asking what's important can help us to also just loosen up our willingness to dive deep. So I asked myself when I noticed this frustration, you know, what feels important to me about this? And I got to the belief that I felt that if he really loved me and he really supported me, that he would know what I needed. He would Mm -hmm. make sure that I had that tea in the middle of the day and he would load the dishwasher and he would take me out on dates and suggest day Mm -hmm. trips and he would plan the travel for our trips and he would plan the restaurants. But and I shouldn't have to ask him because the second Mm -hmm. I have to ask him, it's not love anymore. It's a to-do mm-hmm. list. Mm-hmm. And, and so I asked myself another question once I realized this belief, which was, does it serve me? <laughs> and mm-hmm. as much as I wanted to say yes, I realized it actually causes me a lot of grief. So I want to say, yes, it serves me. It serves me because it helps me see who loves me and who doesn't. Right. <laughs> no, actually, go, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it actually right. just made me really frustrated a lot of the time. And, yeah. and so then I have the choice, right? What do I want to do with this belief then? Am mm-hmm. I ready to let it go? Do I want to mm-hmm. share it with him? Hey, Ollie, I realized something. I have this belief. What are your thoughts? How do right. you think, you know, in, inviting someone else in the conversation? You don't, you can just collect more data, right? Right. But I decided that I didn't need to throw it out, but I could introduce an and. Mm. And I altered mm-hmm. it this way. One is, I feel more loved when someone anticipates a need for me and does it. That's Mm. true. That's a truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel loved when I state my needs Mm -hmm. and they're fulfilled. So both and, right? It doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be an or. I still Mm -hmm. love and feel so loved. It's like a 10x power when my husband brings me that cup of tea in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. And I know that it's important for me to be able to identify and vocalize my needs. Most of the time, I lean more in that belief that vocalizing and identifying my needs Mm -hmm. serves me more than waiting for other people to have them. And so Mm -hmm. it's not that I threw out the belief. There's Mm -hmm. still a way that I like to be loved. I've just Mm -hmm. done it in a way that serves me so that I can accept and receive the care I need, the love I need, the support I need without. Holding on to that resentment around, Mm. well, if this person loved me, they would just figure it out. The other thing you're touching upon is the complexity of this concept, right? Is that I'm going to, I'm going to 
insert that there's another belief that's underpinning the one you described, which Mm -hmm. is this belief that goes something like this. I shouldn't have any needs to be a good person or to be an independent person or to be a lovable person. I should not have any needs because I'm going to tell you that I have an experience where I bumped into that, right? I bumped into the underpinning, right? Is that I felt that if I asked anyone for anything, right? Mm -hmm. It made me needy. And I and if I was needy, I was unlovable. Better to be so, needed than needy, right? Absolutely. Right. There's and so that one. was yeah, that was the script. And then I would get mad. Why the heck aren't these people who say they love me not checking in on me, not making sure I'm okay? And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, what's the underpinning, right? Of that. And then I, you know, once I realized that. I bumped into a whole bunch of other kind of scripts. So usually how we figure out where we need to maybe do a little digging or a little uncovering, right? Or a little reflection or awareness is around behavior or thought or a feeling, right? Mm -hmm. The feeling of loneliness, the feeling that I was not being loved because I had these needs is a good place to to start and, and do a little sleuthing. Yeah. And honestly, if you want to learn more about your value system or your belief system, and you've never done values or beliefs work before, everyone always thinks to go to the, what makes you feel fulfilled? What fills your Mm. cup? That's a great place to go. It's the harder Mm. place to go. Mm -hmm. The easier place to go is where, what pisses you off? What just really gets you going? What are your Mm -hmm. most annoying pet peeves in other people? Mm -hmm. What are Mm -hmm. the things you judge others and yourself for the most? What are Mm -hmm. your triggers? What are where what makes you feel sad? What makes you feel lonely? This is the place to go if you really want to do some values digging. And this is something that actually came up in a recent conversation as well, which was this idea of resonance, right? So what is resonance? When something resonates with us, we use this phrase a lot more commonly. Resonance is not just positive emotion. It doesn't Mm. just mean alignment in a positive way, right? Mm -hmm. It can mean alignment or any sort of vibration that's challenging as well. Emotional reaction is resonance. Something's tuning with us. Even if it's out of tune, there's still resonance, right? Yes. And so oftentimes I urge my clients, if they're really struggling to figure out what makes them joyful, to go toward What makes them angry? That is so important, right? And that is one of the key indicators that you're in unconscious mind, right? And there's a couple others, right? If you're easily distracted, right? If you're maybe forgetful. If I'm in unconscious mind, I am not hearing what you're saying. If you're finding yourself tuning out, right? If you're reactive, if you're reactive, it means that something's triggered probably an autopilot, um, feeling anxious or stressed. And then, of course, physical symptoms, right? Bessel van Kolk says in his The Body Keeps the Score, we have physical symptoms that we experience in our bodies during some of these times. Like maybe it's digestion problems. Maybe it's a headache. Maybe it is our shoulders being up to our ears or something like that. Maybe it's clenching our jaw, right? Those are some other areas to really pay attention to as indicators of, 
guess what? You might want to see what the heck's going on in the trunk. We've talked a lot about identifying the beliefs and reframing the beliefs. And that can sound like a lot of work. So I'd love to also offer up another strategy, which is throw out the rule book. Decide, you know, consciously start from the things you want. We focus a lot on doing the unpacking, doing the don't wants, doing the all of this stuff first. But sometimes it can be just as impactful to start from where you are now, right? If you don't feel ready to go into the whole length of the trunk to explore everything that's in there, you can decide how you want to use the space that's available in the rest of your car as well. First, to try and get the space that's accessible to you as hopeful and joyful and functional and useful and serving you as possible. So this might mean that when you approach your life, when you approach your days, and you feel some of that discomfort, before you go deep into what's in the unconscious belief here, you might also want to say, you know, what would help me here? What would be helpful? What belief would be helpful? What belief would be useful, right? If you just had to write something from scratch right now, what would it be? And chances are there'll be part of your existing belief in that. You'll just have jumped the process. But I would definitely urge people to play around with beliefs, to try them on like you would a sweater, and to see how it goes for you. Because it doesn't always have to be this deep, serious internal dive. It can be. It does get that way sometimes. It can also be in a really empowering, light, and playful way that you can explore what matters to you, what feels important to you, and how you can use what's available to you to design your days and your life in a way that really supports you fully. Yeah. And being a positive psychologist or strength-based psychologist, I always like to start with the hope anyways. And it's a lighter lift, which mm. is let's open those suitcases and let's find the thing, the nuggets that are in there first that we love, right? That already are serving us. Let's bump into those and let's just become aware of those. It's amazing how many times, right? I bump into a joyful moment or a joyful behavior. And I say to myself, I wonder what's driving this because I'd like to bump into it more often. Thank you very much. That is a great note to end on because it reminds us of the broad scope of the human experience. Yes, yes. there are some challenging bits in there and we can choose how we want to handle those. And there are some really beautiful parts of it. There are some gifts that we get from our belief systems. And the more going back to the beginning of the conversation that can be really mm -hmm. wonderful for those strips of the journey that we want to take a back seat on some of the things going on. We want to consciously put things in cruise control because it allows us to focus on the scenery around us. It allows us to reposition where we want to put our attention. It's really just about being in conscious control. Or how about just being fully awake? How about yes. just being fully awake when you're in the driver's seat? When we're consciously designing our lives to be in line with our values and purpose, no one wants to miss anything. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Do you want to end us with one of your world famous quotes, mom? I do. It's by Carl Jung. He was one of the pioneers of this whole concept of conscious, unconscious, subconscious, all of that kind of thing. And he says, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. If we're going to be ruled by fate, we might as well have a hand in its design, eh? Absolutely. Thank you for being with us. We hope that you found this episode informative and helpful and enlightening. And if you have a topic, we're doing something a little different. If you have a topic that you would like Madeline and I to explore, we are offering a free 
know me tote bag to the first 10 people that submit a topic that they would like us to discuss at knowme.coach forward slash podcast. And until next time, be well. That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope our conversation provides some insight and practical ways to navigate and understand you. If you have found our show to be helpful, please pass it along. Madeline and I are hoping you will join us in creating a ripple effect of mental health and well-being. As always, thanks for listening to the Nomi Podcast. This is Cynthia and Madeline asking you to be good to you.